there it is. The greatest advance in television since color television itself. Okay, boys, here we go. everybody and welcome back to another episode of not a bomb watches cowboy bebop this is episode six and i am one of your hosts brad anderson and with me as always is your dad with the swag on the floor mama gonna brag when i walk in the door troy sour troy how are you i that's like the best intro man i i think i'm gonna save that as a recording and just play it every time i go into a room at work that's awesome you're you're welcome uh Thank that you. is dad vibes by limp biscuit Oh, uh, well, never Fred, mind. Fred, Fred Durst is a poet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. And also joining us <laughs> is the dad like a river, flow so cool, need ice to deliver. Sammy from the GGTMC. Sammy, how Thank are you. you, sir? I'll take the intro. If it's yeah, bad for the same thing, because, you know, there's no shame in my game. No, there's not. <laughs> hey, and we, we both said we hate ourselves for liking that song, but you know yeah. what? I like what I like. I like <laughs> what I like. Hey, by the way, happy International Podcasters Day. That's oh, today. that's right. Oh, I that is that today. today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'd say that to you, gentlemen, since we're nice. podcasting. Well, cheers. Congrats. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Um, yeah. So we are here tonight to discuss session 11, Toys in the Attic, and session 12, Jupiter Jazz Part 1. But before we do that, let's discuss horror films since one of uh, these uh, episodes is pretty horrific, and tomorrow is October 1st. So, Troy, I will start with you. Mm-hmm. Give me some of your go-to horror films that you watch every October. Every October. That's tough. Uh, I, I know we were talking about this earlier. I feel like every year I try and pick a genre of horror or series I've never seen before. So I've got a, I've got a lot to choose from. However, the go-to ones, Tucker and Dale versus Eve. I, I I love my horror comedy, so it's got to be Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I think that's one of our family favorite ones. Coupled with Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, we watch. Where are you on what we do in the shadows? I love those. Those, yeah, okay. that's great. But t- Tucker and Dale and Abbott and Costello are just those are staples. And then for the scary stuff, I this this is this is the time of year. I try and get through The Exorcist. I <laughs> I have seen maybe. <laughs> Ninety-two percent of it, and there's always I'm always hiding under the blanket. So um, last year we went to the Mahoning Drive-In because they were showing an original print of it and Poltergeist, and uh, yeah, I got to I got to hide was under. Was that on seventy? Was that on seventy millimeter? No, I think it was like thirty-five millimeter print. Thirty-five. Okay. Yeah, but I got I got to hide under the blanket outside watching that film. So nice, it's scary. Nice, very manly of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good, <laughs> Sammy. What about you, sir? Uh, I, I tend to stick with favorites. I'm not really that adventurous during them. I watch horror movies so much Yeah, that, uh, I don't really get that festive when it comes to October, but I mean, I'll probably end up watching more horror movies than I watch anything else. But honestly, if you go back and look at my letterbox or something, you'll probably find that I watch horror movies most of the time anyhow. Um, but I, there's, there's the John Carpenter's Halloween. I love because I think it nails the spirit of Halloween, uh, not just the slasher elements. I don't think it's necessarily scary, but I don't think that's necessarily very important for me at Halloween. I think what's more important for me is kind of the warm kind of nostalgia vibe. I like that yeah, quite the, a bit. The suburban vibe. Yeah. Too. And of course yeah. there's movies that we rented a lot as children, uh, me and my buddies, especially when we were able to rent the players and we'd be able to rent like six movies and the player for 25 bucks or something like that. Oh, I remember crazy. those days. Yeah. Yeah. And we'd rent stuff like uh, night of the creeps and uh, you know, Halloween, obviously Friday the 13th. I would always be like, I want to watch Friday the 13th part two. Like, no, Friday the 13th is the better one. I'm like, no, man, part two is great. Um, anyway, just stuff like that. I, I I grew up in the era of the slasher, and I, I love the slasher films. I still love them, and they, uh, they're they very nostalgic for me. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, for me, you know, I'm more of a psychological horror guy, so I like The Shining a lot. Oh. Um, 
I also, you know, I like It Follows quite a bit um, as like a newer horror film. Um, and, you know, I also really dig like something like Scream. I know it's not like your typical horror film, but I love Scream so much. That's good. Um, you know, it that came out for me in, in such a time that just made movies just seem really cool. Yeah. Um, and people, you know, just look at like all the films that kind of ape that sort of meta use of other, you know, use of films and stuff like that. You have your urban legends and I know what you did last summer, like yeah. all that stuff because Scream was such a big, such a big film. So, yeah, um, yeah that's a good I like one. that series quite a bit. I know the third one is a little iffy, but uh, I like them all. I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think out of all the like horror series, that might be my favorite because I think consistently they're the best. I mean, I yeah. know there's only four, but I'm really excited for that new one, too. So. I like them all as well, although I do feel like they suffered from I got to one-up myself uh, a little bit, but uh, I'd like to revisit those. I haven't watched those. Most horror movies do that. Uh, oh, my God. I told you. You know what? I I got to squeeze one because Angel Will Kill Me. Every year on Halloween, we watch The Thing from Another World. Now, because oh, nice. yeah, with, yeah. with, with her being at college, I don't know how that's going to work this year, so I have to squeeze it in during her visits, but I totally forgot about that. That's like a father-daughter ritual we do. Yeah. It's very this sweet. Also a good opportunity to recommend the new Candyman because I just watched it and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching it tomorrow. My wife and I have carved out some time to to watch it tomorrow. So have, you all have. Have, have you guys started crazy, watching so. horror movies already this week? I, I have. I watched Night Watch, which is more psychological yeah. and with Ewan I mean, McGregor. And- it's it's my it's my go to horror movies is what got me hooked on films and it's where I go. It, nine times out of ten, that's where I go. Horror yeah. and crime films. Shout out to Chopping Mall as well. I love Chopping Mall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I love that film. Okay. So let's jump into this because I think we're going to have a lot to say. Um, so session 11, Toys in the Attic. I also saw that it was also called Heavy Rock of the Dead Night. What? Which is a little weird. Yeah, I don't like that. Huh. Um, synopsis. A blob with a venomous bite infiltrates the bebop and incapacitates Jet, Faye, and Ein. <laughs> Sammy, I'm going to start with you. Give me your yeah. initial impressions on this episode. Uh, initial impressions of this episode. Uh, first, very first initial impression is, is what the hell is going on? Because uh, <laughs> the first shot, you're like, okay, is it dark? What's that noise? Oh, there's a, oh, what, what, what's going on? Uh, so I didn't really know what was going on. Uh, but this is a nice little uh, kind of a love letter episode to uh, one of my favorite films, which is John Carpenter's The Thing, but also a little bit of aliens in there, mm-hmm. especially with the hand scanner. Did you guys catch yeah. that with the hand yeah. scanner yeah. and the yeah. radar readout? It was very aliens, which is one of my favorite moments from the from uh, Cameron's film is that is those blips. Yep. I mean, it builds so much tension, right? Um, I... Again, I will say the show is at its best. I don't know how I feel about the episode in the grand scheme of things. I do like the horror-themed episodes probably a little bit more, and I did like this one quite a bit. But I also like that they mixed in the comedy again. You open here, and you got some uh, some uh, strip uh, dice game going on with some floating <laughs> boxers, which is... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Those, what, are those, what are those boxers made of? Oh, I don't know. I don't know how many it's they haven't probably been washed in a while. So <laughs> that's what I was thinking too, man. Yeah, they never show the bebop in like the laundry room or anything like that. So yeah, I'm assuming yeah, yeah. not a whole lot of laundry is being done. Right. Well it's funny, it's funny you mentioned that. This is probably something I don't think either one of you would bring up, but I'm not positive. Maybe you will. But uh this is actually one of my favorite episodes in a way because it is so interior, because we get to see a lot of the bebop itself. Uh I don't understand the geography of the ship at all. I just want to be clear on that. I think I kind of do. Um, but I like that we're going to different areas. I like the the rotating uh, the rotating area. I like that. I like when they do that in uh, space films. Also, we should say uh, 2001 creeps in again here uh, yes. quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I guess, you know, I guess it's, you know, obviously it's a seminal film and we've talked about it several times, but uh uh, it definitely creeps in pretty hardcore here, maybe even more hardcore than the the ominous uh, red eye. Yeah, I was I was gonna say you could that that red eye in the previous episode was a great callback, whereas this one is really giving you the two thousand one vibes. Like there's yeah. a reference versus okay, we're 
we're we're staging something that is a homage to it, which is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I th- I thought it was great. Well, I yeah, but I mean, isn't that fridge part like Dark Star? Isn't that John Carpenter's Dark Star, the fridge monster thing? Isn't that straight out of? I just watched Dark Star about two months ago, so I don't recall. Uh, maybe I think so. I, I know that fridge stuff is gross, and really. <laughs> Ultimately, what you kind of come out of this episode with is the valuable moral lesson of not leaving stuff in the fridge too long, yeah. <laughs> which is something we, we've all done. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and if, if you do, if you have a job like me where you're responsible for employees, man, it's even worse because now you got 15 other people who leave their oh. stuff in the fridge. Yeah. And, yeah. You have to do that Tupperware check where you have to open it and smell it to see if it's still oh, good. You like, oh, God. You, you walk in the break that. area and you're just, yeah, you walk in the break area and you're like, you just, oh, man, something's not right. Now I got to find it. Someone's That's, making penicillin. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and this one, they show a little bit of what's in the fridge. And I don't know what it is, but it really grossed me out. <laughs> I thought the they goo. said it was like a crab. Like he got like his yeah. crab thing or something. So Rock lobster. Yeah, rock lobster. It's a rock <laughs> lobster. Yeah. <laughs> hey, kitties. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad you got that. Oh, my God. Yeah, that that's perfect. So that was perfect. Now, the uh, – it, it I liked this episode quite a bit. There's no real like song that really pops out, but there's this really nice little ominous kind of synth thing going on in this episode. And it's like only like two or three keys. It's like, (laughs) and that's all it just keeps doing. I don't know. It built tension pretty well. Uh, You get Faye in a bathtub. Uh, (laughs) We have to always bring that up because I mean, you know, it's important. Yep. Although I don't know why she wouldn't look on the floor. I mean, if you hear something drop out of the ceiling, I'm not going to look at this. I might look at the ceiling first, but I'm instantly going to look at the floor, too. Yes. Uh, See, I understand where that comes from just from watching scary movies. If you if you ignore it and hide under the blanket, it goes away. So that's how that works. Yeah. But I I think that it's a strange kind of episode in the mix, but also kind of a I don't know if this is an unsung episode or not, but this is kind of a sneaky good episode, I think. Yeah. So are are you guys in the. Do you all know the reference or the the term bottle episode? Bottle so a bottle episode. episode is essentially like frequently uses like interior shots. Um, usually like the main cast is like the only people used. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think I've like, heard it called something else, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I know um, the concept. Yeah. It's like a television thing where it's, it's usually cheaper and stuff like that. So this is yeah. like considered the bottle episode of the series yeah. where so you never see. They do that with like flashback episodes. Too. Yeah, yeah. Old so you, television. Yeah, and you don't get any like it's the crew of the Bebop, and that's it. Like you don't see anyone else exterior. Yeah. So um, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Ed here, and uh, I did and didn't Ed didn't bother me as much, but that's because she really isn't that prevalent. But she does something really gross in here that I don't I don't know if I need to talk about, but it's just like uh, <laughs> it's so, so repulsive at the end. Yeah. At the end, just I don't know why it bothered me. Probably because it was in other people's bodies, I guess. Well, because you you saw what was in the fridge and where it came from. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's another lesson that I still don't like doggy danger. Oh, dude, that upset me so much. <laughs> when I got attacked, I was ready yeah. to throw something. I yeah. I was so upset about that. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty hard. I I didn't like that, and I saw it coming. But yeah, I like this episode, man. I thought it set a really nice tone, and it was a nice kind of. It was a good, solid, quiet episode. It wasn't really action-packed, but it was, and it had good jokes, and just kind of the atmosphere was there. So, yep, yep. Troy, give I, me your initial thoughts, sir. Yeah, you know, like Sammy says again, I am amazed at how this show tackles so many different genres and pulls in storylines that have been done before. I mean, we've already referenced like two thousand one Alien. Uh, the thing, I mean, it's dark star. It, it's borrowing from so many different things, but what amazes me about it is it still manages to keep that bebop identity. And, and that impresses me. Like it, it still has its own identity yet. It's pulling from so many different sources. And what's weird is you could criticize this thing for not having an original bone in its body, but at the same time, it still feels so original how they yeah. tackle it all. Which I, I I mean I don't know what kind of voodoo or whatever that is, but it's cool. The, <laughs> it's a Tarantino voodoo. Yeah. So the the other thing that really impressed me was the structure of the lessons. So you you almost get an art of war kind of thing here with each person giving their version of a lesson. Yeah. 
and you get a narrative from each of the characters. So you, you're only spending time with these characters in each part of the episode is kind of concentrated on them and their thoughts about what's going on, which I thought was an amazing way to kind of get you closer to know them from a character development standpoint, because you see how they're reacting to what's going on and you get to kind of see their take on of events. So I, I'm kind of like with you, Sammy, it's, it, it's sneakily good. Like you, you sit back and you go, wow, it's a very simple premise and it's been done a million times before, especially in this genre, like horror sci-fi, but how it manages to handle that topic and make it fresh. It's, it's super impressive. Um, and, and I'm with you. I mean, uh, I, I, Ed wasn't annoying. So I actually am getting a little bit comfortable with this character and I I'm starting to like its interaction uh, with the other three characters, but I, this, this was creepy fun episode. I mean, just with Halloween right around the corner. I, I mean, I hope I, I'm sitting there going, I'm hoping there are more episodes like this down the road because it's so standalone. Like if, if you were just going to jump into cowboy bebop and not from the beginning, and you stumbled across this one, I think this would get you hooked. I mean, it's that good. Yeah. 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 I mean, they do that so many times during the series where they swing one way and then completely go a totally different direction the next time. And you never really know where the show is going. And that's one of the most exciting things about it. Like think of something like Dragon Ball Z or something like that. Like people fight. Yeah. And, and yes, I know there's like that's boiling it down to the most common denominator, but that's essentially what happens here. Anything happens and it yeah. will happen. Um, yeah. which I think, I think it's very a, important what you say though, because like when I think of Dragon Ball Z and I do like some Dragon Ball Z stuff, but all I think about is the fighting. Yeah, yeah, with and Cowboy it's cool. Bebop, the action is really yeah. good, but with Cowboy Bebop, I don't, I, I, I don't know what I think because they all they're always switching it up on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so. It's weird. I remember. Ahead, no, I was gonna say. I remember at the beginning of me saying when we watched the first couple episodes, it's like, oh, well, we've got a pattern here where they go after a bounty, and then they're the worst bounty hunters because they flub it up at the end, they get away, and then they're poor and broke going off to the next thing. And now I'm looking at it, and we're only eleven episodes in, and I'm constantly amazed at how many things they've they've thrown at me because just remembering my own comments when we started talking about this, I, I thought it was going to go one direction with a formula that was fun, but I, I thought that was going to be the formula of the show. And all of a sudden it's delivering things that I would. So I, <laughs> you look, you look at the title of this episode and you go Aerosmith, like I'm all excited. And it is the Maybe most, you said that. I, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. I, hey, I love Aerosmith. So it is the most non Aerosmith. Uh, I don't know. Style to it. I will object to that. You think so? Ed's mouth gets really big when they she eats that thing. Oh, pfft, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, you, you just you think you're gonna get you know this edgy rock kind, of, and and it's not there at all. Like Sammy said, the music feels like it lives in an alien movie or an alien franchise. But you could you could totally see why they called it Toys in the Attic, though. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it it just throws you off because there's there are some of these things where you look at the title and you think you know what, you know, musically you're going to get or thematically you're going to get. And with this one, it's kind of a bait and switch, but it, it's really good bait and switch. Yeah. So I'll follow up with you guys. Um, I know Sammy brought up like the lack of real music and stuff, but I think the ambient noise in this episode is something that really stands out. That fan that is above Faye when she's in the bathroom and even like the alarm. And one of the things I really like about it is, Jet, like the alarm goes off and everyone rushes to see like what's going on, even though they're all kind of mad at each other. They're kind of bored. You know, Faye has taken uh, Jet's clothes, uh, but they all are concerned for each other at the end of the day. Um, So I like that even though they kind of butt heads a lot, there's still that camaraderie. Mm -hmm. Um, I just want to know if horror movies have taught me anything. It's you listen to animals. So if a dog is upset and growling at something and you can't see something, there's something there and you need to leave it alone or you need to get out. Um, and the fact that they don't listen to Ayn is disturbing to me because obviously he knows something is going on. And, 
you need to listen to animals. They know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I brought this up before, but you know, there's no third parties in this episode. It's all the crew of the bebop and it's just a, like a day in the life. You know, we're, we're just in between bounties. Uh, you know, we're, we're just kind of wasting time. And, and that's like, there's no real being a bounty hunter in this universe because there's like 300,000 bounty hunters. It's not all glamorous all the time. And sometimes you have to wait. And, uh, I really, I really like that. I really like just kind of the monotony, but then they turn it into this cool sort of horror, um, episode where you get like this POV from this blob's point of view. And it's making this Miko Hughes sort of <laughs> sound and all this stuff. And you're that's just like, the, uh, that's, that's the Steven Tyler moment. Oh, oh yeah, there you go. Yep. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's I. I'll I'll say this: that monotony that you kind of talk about, sort of the quiet moments, the lessons that. So you know, you see their lesson that they're trying to give in that monotony. It is a great way to get to know your character by how they deal with boredom. So I'm I I think it's one of the things where storytellers don't know how to do that correctly and make it interesting. And again, yeah. I think the writing is so good in this episode to where you kind of say, "Hey, I know I, I know Jet, I know Faye, I know all of them a little bit better just watching how they deal with boredom and monotony and even the lessons they're trying to, you know, sell themselves." Uh and and that's to me that's the highlight of the episode. The highlight of the episode is how well you get to know these folks just in what they do in, in the mundane. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where you're, you want to see the most characterization with people. It's just, what do they do when they're just hanging out, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it makes the horror more horrifying because it's, it's happening in, in a mundane environment, a mundane day, day in the life of kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then did you all catch that jet essentially, I don't know if this is like irresponsible or responsible, but like, he sets the autopilot to land on Mars and it's like, they have this thing on there that's poisoning people and he wants to like land that on Mars and maybe it escapes and poisons a bunch of people. But I think he did that. Like if, you know, if, if he gets incapacitated too, like the ship will land and maybe they can get some sort of, you know, help. Uh, yeah. Help. But, um, that's also kind of a cool thing with the ships. Like, are you sure? Cause you can't <laughs> turn back. Yep. Uh, yeah, and I, you said like stuff about the comedy and stuff too. Like when he tries to, when he lights that cigarette with that flamethrower, I think that's just real funny because it's like <laughs> at that point in time he's at his wits end and he's like, I just want to have this cigarette and yeah, burns the play out well. Seventy five percent of the cigarette. Did yeah, you, which is funny because it ruins his cigarette, but it also ruins his snack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All did, back to that. Did you guys watch through the entire episode? So one of the things we haven't talked about is after each episode, you get a preview of the next week. Yeah. So sometimes I skip them. Sometimes I don't. And this is the one that I didn't. Did, did you guys yeah. watch this all the way through? Yeah. What happens, Troy? So I, I, I think it's absolutely brilliant. So you get a preview of the next week, but it's Ed talking about everybody being dead. dead. And so yep. now it's not cowboy bebop anymore. It's, it's all about this Ed character, and and it's hilarious. That little stinger of here's what's coming next week and what they even do from that perspective from a storytelling because the way the episode – I believe she says it's Cowboy Edward now. Yeah, Cowboy Edward. That's yeah. right, yeah. But I, I love how where the episode ends with the waltz and you don't know what's going to happen to the crew. Then you come to the on next week and Ed's like, yep, everybody died. And you're like, what, what are you kidding me? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, and so here's the thing I'll ask you guys and, and there's no wrong or right answer, but did this episode really happen? Well, I'm glad you brought that up because I have another theory. Okay. Uh, I looked at this episode and I watched this episode twice. And the reason why is because the first time I watched it, it's almost like a a metaphor for being high. Yeah. <laughs> what? Did, did all this happen or not? We got rainbow sparkles flying out of a refrigerator. We got maybe a blob we see, maybe a blob we don't. The blob is edible, but yeah. isn't it dangerous? Making Jet drink some weird which, concoction. Which is an LSD thing. LSDs are edible. Maybe they're yeah. dangerous. Maybe they're not. 
I mean, it's it's a yeah a deeper episode than I think it's going to get credit for. And I just had that initial reaction. I thought, oh, you're being pretentious is what I thought I was being. But then I went back and watched it, and I'm like, no, they're going for a little bit of something here because this thing's just slightly off kilter and slightly esoteric yep. of an episode. Yeah. I mean, dude, there is a long moment of classical music and a spinning refrigerator <laughs> with a dead, rotting rock lobster shooting sparkly fireworks. Yep. Yeah. And it's, yep. it's both gorgeous and ridiculous. But, which to me which makes it fantastic in, in my experience in my brief experience with drug exposure when i was younger makes total sense <laughs> this is great next day it's like oh that was such a bad idea <laughs> but which brings me and we'll get to the next episode but the next episode we open up and everyone's fine and they yeah like, so it, it makes you wonder like is this someone's just weird fever dream yeah well i mean again if you go back to what Troy was talking about too with boredom i mean you know, it, when you're bored, I mean, sometimes I, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, when I'm extremely bored, I don't know if I see things or not, but certainly things seem, I don't know, frustrating, odd, weird. So I don't know. If I've, I don't know if I've ever been bored in a in a room with a bunch of people, though. That would be kind of rough. It, it would make a great companion piece to Ren and Stimpy Space Madness, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> um, oh, Stimpy. It's not me going mad. <laughs> but no, I mean... He's I, both, he's both uh, Christopher Lambert and Peter Lorre. Uh, Ren is. Yeah. He no. is a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it just... It, it, I don't know if I would take it esoteric or fantastical. In, in my head, I mean, especially from episode to episode, you don't know what the interim of time is between episode 11 to episode 12. It, it could be a week. It could be a month. It could be hours. You you don't know. You take it at face value. Yeah. I, I think they had a lot of fun with this by just saying, here is a sample of what's happening between these exciting shootouts and everything that goes on. And when you're stuck in space and there's nothing going on for however long it lasts, this is an example of what goes on. And I, I love that aspect of it. Uh, I, yeah. I, I'm... Have they have they ever addressed hypersleep or anything in the show? I feel like they did like early, but maybe they, well, didn't. they can travel so fast and the, and the, you know, they can, they the can literally travel between planets so quickly because of the, the warp gates or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. I don't really yeah. know if they have to do that. I feel like almost when they brought Faye on, like they were going to put her under at one point, but maybe I'm just confusing that with handcuffs in the bathroom. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah that's, that's which a totally is, which you typically do Sammy. Yeah. That's, that's a totally different putting somebody under. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I keep my handcuffs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything else we want to talk about before we get into the se uh, season finale part one? Uh, not for me on this episode, but I will say it is. It's not. It's one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Certainly. Yeah, it's, it's a tier one. Episode. It's a tier yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. Hands down. It's just a weird. It's just got a weird vibe to it. Like I watched it and I was just like, first of all, I got that metaphor thing going in my brain. But also I'm like, was that great or was that? just weird or I'm going to watch it again. And then I watch it again. I was like, you know what? That's great. That's a great Ep episode. Episode yeah. four just keeps going down and down the list. Remember I told you guys, no, I told no, you guys. no, I think, I don't know, I, man, I, I, I'm trying to keep score and I'm losing, I'm losing track. Uh, <clears throat> All right. Now we're on to session 12 Jupiter jazz part one, which is the season finale. Uh, the first part of the season finale. And this synopsis is a little bit uh, brief. Uh, Faye cleans out the crew safe and leaves the Bebop for Callisto, which leaves out a lot. But yeah, that's kind of what happens a little bit. Yep. Um, uh, Troy, why don't you give me your initial thoughts on this one? Oh, I was so frustrated after this one. <laughs> I'm so mad. The reason is because it ends on a huge cliffhanger, not... The quality, yeah. uh, a, pair of, a pair of cliffhangers, like I said. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> I so angry. I was, and I've, I. So listen, we've had some stuff going down for a couple of weeks. Everybody's been busy, and and I am still haven't watched the next one. Yeah, but I haven't either, man. I've stuck to the code, and it's killing me. It literally is killing me. So yeah, this is this is the one where I almost broke the code this i did is the one i was so close i had remote <laughs> in hand i was texting you guys 
I, I, I was like, Sammy, look, if, if you break the code, I'll break the code. Like, I'm not going to do it first, but if somebody else does it, then that gives me full, but look. Well, and, and to be fair, I was sick last week and you guys had watched this. So this is also adding another week onto that as well. So, <sighs> yeah. yeah, it was yeah. tough, but <laughs> what was so weird is you, you have this episode 11 where you spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes getting to know these characters and you see them bonding and getting closer. And then episode 12 starts and everybody splits up in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So it all just comes apart. So the stakes are really high right out of the gate. And I felt like it was a gut punch, especially after episode 11, where I, I thought we had some stability in the relationships. And, and a great example is that Faye is is slowly becoming one of my favorite characters uh, and watching interact with everybody and then seeing her push everybody away and um, Spike sort of getting worked up and going his own way and splitting against Jet. I mean, this episode for me came out of nowhere and it really, I don't know, it, it illustrates how close these characters are but also how fragile the relationship is. And when adversity happens and it happens big time right out of the gate, all of them are put to the test, like every single one of them. And so I was, I was immediately glued to what was going on in the screen. And I, I felt myself just tense up through the entire episode. And, and when you get to the end of it, I mean, I literally wrote down like nine or 10 questions that we can, we can talk about later but I, w- I was just sitting there going, I have all of these questions and all of this stuff that I have to know right now. And then I, I took a step back and I'm like, how does like 20, what was it? 24 minutes, 23 minutes. Is that the average episode? time? Yeah. yeah. Actually it's less than that because that's includes the intro and outro. Yeah. How, yeah. how does 20 minutes, About 22 minutes. Yeah, yeah. 22 minutes of television of anime, do this to me. I, I was kind of amazed. So yeah, that's my initial impression was it, it was a gut punch compared to 11 and I am dying to see what happens next. Literally dying. I, I am so mad at you for making us <laughs> stop here, uh, but yeah, it's the rules, man, we watch two a week. Yeah. I don't like the okay. rules. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, I liked this episode a lot too. The the romance is back a little bit here, but also there's a line here where I think uh, Faye says something about pain uh, or maybe running away or leaving uh, to avoid, or somebody says something about her running away to avoid pain or something like that. Uh, I find that interesting. It says, I, the line was, I wrote it down because it hit me big time. You're afraid they'll abandon you, so you abandon them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, it it makes it rounds out her character and as obnoxious as she can be with her running away and taking their money and doing the things, it makes you realize that she does these things kind of like, you know, the reason why somebody goes and gets, you know, stone cold drunk sometimes or something. They're just they're just hiding pain, right? They're just hiding sometimes something that's not there for them. And I like that. Uh, I, I like Well, you could that. also argue that maybe she's doing it because she wants to be chased. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it makes her feel wanted, makes her mm-hmm. feel needed. And uh, again, these are some of the psychological elements of the show. We also get the return of, in this episode, I'm right. Uh, I think I'm right. I hope I'm right. But that vicious character was the one that was in the... the Ballad of Fallen Angels. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that's vicious. That's the... I'm assuming now the vicious has come back around and vicious seems very vicious. <laughs> uh <laughs> That uh, he's the the maybe the main heavy through the whole thing. Uh, it was a nice kind of comeback. Uh, definitely got a again. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it when we talked about the other episode, but I definitely got a strong uh, Sephiroth vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, SC Seven. I always get that vibe from him. Um, I like those elements, but I don't. I like when they go somewhere and they're pursuing a piece of their past. It seems like, I don't know if it's a hero's journey element or what it is. And the way that this creator mixes in new story elements in doing that 
is very, very well done, uh, especially for animation. Uh, you could argue that it's it's quite cinematic in a lot of ways in the way he just kind of takes the pieces and kind of manipulates you emotionally a little bit. And uh, I've come to discover that if the episodes are romantically kind of over the top in some way or some character is really striving for something, it, it seems to me that that's when I really identify with these these characters at 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 the highest point. And uh, this is another one of those episodes. I mean, this is this one's great, and you get the introduction of a character that I can't wait to find out more about. Uh, that uh, the uh, sax player. Oh, Grin. Yep, I can't wait to find out more about this character because this character kind of blew my mind. Uh, didn't it's a com- it's a complex character. Yes. <laughs> yeah, in a complex moment. Yep, and uh, it was one of those moments where if I was in the room with you guys and we no none of us had seen it before, we'd probably all be like, "Whoa, what did that just happen?" <laughs> oh, I I literally did that. So <laughs> there there's two moments in this where I'm looking to the left of me, and there's nobody there, and and I'm and I'm I keep looking to the left because I'm I'm trying to find out if this invisible thing next to me just saw what I saw. And yeah. it's my, but there's, you know, I, I guess in my head, I assumed you guys were there, but yeah, there's, there's a couple of these moments. And I, I think there's so much on the, on the line from the beginning because, you know, you, you've spent 11 episodes and again, what is shocking, it's only 11 episodes and you've kind of connected with these characters. Now, Ed, I think is still not the strongest connection, but you know, Faye Spike and Jet, I, I feel like I know in in a pretty deep manner and to start this episode where you see all of that being challenged and they're going up against a significant heavy in in the back of my head i'm like wow the stakes are so high and how did i emotionally get this invested 11 episodes in and it and it's not just the plot that has me uh all hyped up but it's what what these these characters are going through, and especially Faye. I mean, I wrote that comment down because no other episode really illustrates how much she has grown. And to your point, I mean, she really values this crew and these relationships, and she wants them to come after her. And she gets kind of hit in the face with the you you you're so afraid of them. And the fact you are getting close to them, that you are just going to go ahead and pull the trigger first and, and get away from it. But yeah. even in the back of your head, you're expecting that they're still going to come after you. And and she kind of knows they will because she's coming to the conclusion that, yep, they care about her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's funny. The the last episode was very like horror themed. And then this one is like very like noir themed. And so you just get like these two like totally different looks and feels of episodes um and here we find jet super disappointed that basically his kids have abandoned him like yeah Faye and yeah. and and spike for all and purposes are his kids he is the father figure of the show and they leave and have zero remorse for it um as soon as jet hears the name julia he is gone and he that's the only thing he cares about you mean Him Spike, and Spike right? have been together for three years, and it seems like all of that is for nothing. Because as soon as he knows that there's a small chance that he can find Julia again, he leaves. Mm. And to me, that's gut-wrenching for, for Jet because he has built this relationship um, not only as like for like doing business and stuff like that, even though their business isn't really that great, but to to form those relationships and for those to just be severed so quickly is, it's another moment where they use jet to, to, to build up these huge heavy moments. You know, he's always used for conflict and things like that. Like jet is the unsung hero of this show. Like he literally, I, I don't know, man. I think, I think jet is, he's the glue. My number one. He yeah. is the glue. Yep. Uh, it, it, and what's amazing is, as much fun as it is to watch everybody play off of each other, Jed is the thing that keeps it all together. Yep, yep. Um, you also get a lot of like Spike just being enraged um, to a point where we haven't seen him before. Yeah. You know, someone calls him vicious, and it's like he is, uh, you know, just totally enraged and goes 
crazy. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I love the aesthetic with the guys in the gas mask and all that stuff and fighting in the back alleys and all this. Um, you know, Vicious and his omnipresence is really nice to have back. Um, you know, th- I think this is the first time in an episode where a villain returns. Um, so we, we have that kind of as a first. Um, you know, Grin is like a a very complex um I don't want to use the wrong term, but is, is transgender? Is that, or like, I, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I mean, I'm assuming transgender is the right term. Again, I don't yeah, know yeah. about the character. I only know yeah. what we saw, but you know, it, it, you know, all of a sudden we see this man have breasts and, you yeah. know, all of a sudden he's like, no, I'm, I'm a girl and it's played pretty well. Um, but then I think they definitely, go a little bit in the homophobic area with the crossdresser Julie Julius. Um, oh yeah. You know, yeah. I, I always <laughs> like to give credit where credit is due for shows, especially anime in the nineties, but then they do that character and you're like, ah, come on guys. You're so yeah. close. And, and Grin is such a cool character that you, you just one step forward, two steps back. But, well, you know, yeah. but but keep in mind in the context of the story, this planet. Yeah, they're this, on a planet that is only males. Yeah, is a thing that we have to. And I, I think it's a move. It is, and and I'm not, I'm not smart enough to dissect this from a social angle. Yeah, but I actually think it's a little bit smarter than what anybody would give it credit for, because if you're saying that the environment is composed totally of males, and they do a great job of kind of setting up the danger of that environment in that planet as well. And to have transgender or, um, you know, another man dressed up as a female and making a living this way, I think it's actually smartly trying to say something about, you know, the dangers of, you know, being feminine in this type of environment, which some would say, okay, well, back when this anime came out in that time frame and what they're trying to hide or, you know, the level of femininity that they do portray. I think it's a criticism of society at that time more. So I don't think it's poking fun of it or I think there's some complexity there. Again, I'm not smart enough to dissect it, but even take that grin character and why they are hiding certain aspects of it, given that environment. I think that says a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can assume that maybe he or she, I'm sorry. uh, She like straps down their breasts. So they are not seen as, you know, as, as what they truly are and, you know, not being able to live fully in their own skin because they're surrounded by these men who would probably do some really bad things to them. So yeah, I get your point. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's almost like the creator saw the the crying game a little bit. It's almost like uh, it's almost one like of the guys. Game. Yeah, <laughs> it's almost like crying, like a crying game moment in the movie, in the show. But it's it's true. It's uh, this this person's doing it for their protection. Well, and um, yeah, and you talked about the rage that Spike has. I mean, I I think it's an amazing and a solid action sequence where he takes on this entire gang. I mean, it's oh, yeah. it's beautifully animated, beautifully shot. But again, that rage and the rage that all of these guys are having on screen. And, and again, you know, Spike is chasing Julia, which is a girl. There, there's a lot more going on here. Like I, I out of all the episodes we've seen so far, I would almost like to watch this three or four times and then sit it, sit with somebody who is is much smarter at film or TV dissection and trying to pick out the social commentary of it, because I, I think there is some subtlety going on here and some critique that is is just under the skin and it it's set up in such a way that it's really trying to critique sort of men and and their reaction and their relationships i mean it it it's not <laughs> it's not just a plot device how Faye reacts in this relationship it's not just a plot device how spike reacts and then how vicious he does become and it's not just a plot device where you know you get this big reveal about grin i think you put all that together and it's saying something a little bit bigger yeah Yeah, i'm interested to see where it goes because it might also be saying something about Faye. yeah 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, in this show, we've we've seen numerous times where Spike has restrained from doing something extremely violent. Even I believe in the previous episode we did, you know, he has a lock on that boat, and he could shoot and you know take both of them down, and he doesn't. So we've have all these examples of him restraining from hurting people. Um, and this one, it's pure rage. Um, and that really happens because of the whole vicious thing, but it's, it's kind of, it's weird to see Spike get to that level to where he's laser focused on something. Um, and all he wants to do is essentially have revenge. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think as an episode combo, um, I will say this, I think episode six of our podcast, I think these two are the best two episodes we've done like together for one and two. I think it's, it's probably my one, the both of them are one of my favorite episodes. So um, yeah, yeah, I would probably agree. I'm trying to think back. Um, I would say that this is the strongest two episode combo. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it gives you a great taste of how much this series covers in terms of the spectrum of entertainment because if you were to just take these two episodes uh, by themselves and and kind of gauge the series series on these two, you're like, oh my gosh, how 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 much is packed into this show? I mean, it's crazy. Well, yeah. and that also kind of plays into another thing that we need is we need those episodes where things just breathe. Yeah, like you need an episode where they're looking after, like they're chasing a dog. Like, yeah, that episode yeah. is needed because like you have all these other ones that are so high that we kind of got to breathe a little bit to just understand what's going on and take a step back. Cause you can't, as much as it would be awesome to just go all the time, you need stuff to kind of breathe um, and let settle before we're, we're going back on another adventure. So yeah, I yeah. think this, that's one of the things this show does really, really right. Is that pendulum swing of letting things just kind of breathe for a minute and then hitting the accelerator again. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think Jupiter's Jazz Part 1 is as good as it is, not just because it's a great episode, but also it's because of the episode that precedes it. And uh, sometimes that's the way TV works. It's a serial format. So sometimes it's just set up. Sometimes it's just breathing. Uh, sometimes it can be a bad episode that can set up a good episode. So that is what TV can do that uh, film cannot do. Uh, film's a different element, you know, than that way. So, yeah. Uh, some people like that. Some people dis despise that. But I think TV can, at its best, TV can rival great filmmaking, um, especially nowadays because of the way it's shot and the way it's written. Yeah, especially when you look at the series as a whole. Like, yeah, it, you you kind of have to with Cowboy Bebop and what we're doing is we're 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 going episode by episode, but essentially we're looking at this as a whole series, um, and that's kind of how you have to grade things at the very end of it because you know from episode to episode it, it changes so much that you you need the full context of where you've been to know how you got there essentially so well and you need time to so one thing that this has taught me i've always believed this but doing it this way really solidifies my opinion us watching two episodes walking away for a week or in this case two and then dissecting it, thinking about it before going on to the next one, it's it's making me appreciate the series even more. Uh, and it and it's making me even appreciate the next episodes that we're gonna watch. So I really am 100% as a result of this going, man, I, I'm just refusing to binge watch crap anymore. So yeah. I, I just, yeah. I, I, I'm same way. <laughs> I watch my, my family do it. They get a hold of something. They're like, Oh, I'm going to watch the entire season today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I love that you love that. But to me, a week from now, you're going to forget all about it and it's not yeah. going to have any impact to you. Yeah. yeah. It's I, wonder, I mean, how many binge shows have you ever binge watched that you've binge watched more than once? Not, I, I can't think of any. I mean, uh, I've binge watched a few episodes, a few show, a few series. I've never went back to them, yeah. I, not because the shows weren't good, but because I think uh, it's it's that same it's that same metaphor. You know, have your cake and eat it too. I mean, it's almost like too much junk food. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this is great, this is great. I'm just going to keep doing it until I I'm just incapacitated with sickness, <laughs> <laughs> until all my teeth are rotting out and I can't fit in my pants anymore. 
And then it, I'm just going to keep going. And then and you uh, got the diabetes. Yeah, and I got diabetes. the diabetes. And I never want to go back. I never, you know, I, and I've, I can't think of the last show that I binge watched. But uh, even a show that's only six episodes, I won't binge watch uh, yeah. anymore. I'll, I'll take time off between uh, episodes, usually a week, sometimes longer. Even if it comes out, no, I, I think, think that's fair to the show. I think letting things have their moment in your mind is fair yeah. to the hundreds of hours and the thousands of people that made it to just let it yeah. kind of marinate for a while. Yeah, I, I think that. that's something. That's just it's a younger generation thing. My son's, you know, he's he's really into binge watching. Uh, it sounds like Troy's family is obviously as well. I think young people. Uh, and I'm, again, I'm not immune to it. When it I first, mean, my son will crush some Paw Patrol episodes. So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, we'll we'll crush some uh, we'll crush some stuff every now and then. Me and my daughter will we'll crush some uh, you know some animated stuff every now and then. But I think it's a generational thing too. I think it's just you know a younger generation. My son, you know, he gets he's gotten to the point now where he almost will stop watching something and then wait for three or four episodes to come out and then binge watch them. And I'm like, well. I was like, I, I don't think that's the way it's really, you know, again, I don't want to be like, all right, you shouldn't do that. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, just watch one and then just don't worry about it. And he's like, but his thought is always, oh, I can't wait until the next episode. So he's he's got that hook. And I guess that this young generation, they need that. I don't, I don't understand. They need it, instant gratification, man. They cannot yeah. stand. And they need to get off our lawn, too. Yeah. God, <laughs> get off of. All right. No, it's that instant gratification thing. I, I see it yeah. all day long. It's the if they they cannot stand anything that is going to delay the gratification, and and that's even in the entertainment. So I, we yeah. do sound old, and we sound yeah. like we well, belong we, in retirement home. But we it, do. But yeah. I, I can remember, you know, pre-streaming services. I can remember people telling me, "Well, I'm just going to wait till that show comes out on DVD, and then I'm just going to watch the whole thing." Sure. I can remember people saying that, and I can remember thinking, who does that? And then I did it a couple of times, and I was like, oh, I see why people do it. And then I was like, eh. And I've never, I've, again, I've done it a few times. A few times with my wife, I think we binge-watched a season of some. So I was, I didn't catch on to The Sopranos till season two. So we bought season one, and we binge-watched that. That's one I can remember. Well, yeah, but then you had the whole series to, to do. Yeah. Yeah. But Which, still, you know, I binge-watched that eight. first season. And I would tell you that even though some people say the first season is the best season still some in some ways, I don't remember much. of the. I haven't went back and watched it since we watched it. I don't remember much of the first season because I binge watched the damn thing. I yeah. can remember all kinds of stuff that happened after that. <laughs> no, I get it. Oh. So I have a question for you. Is this, is this one of the greatest cliffhanger episodes of television ever? Oh, I think it would have to be. Yeah. I'm trying to think of great cliffhangers. I can't think. So the reason why I asked that question, I'll give my opinion. I think it's like a top 10. If if I were to think back of all the cliffhanger episodes. Who, who shot Mr. Burns? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but full spoilers. So if if you're playing along and you haven't seen this episode, I am telling you, I, I listed all of these questions as soon as this episode ended because I'm sitting here looking at this list going, Damn it, this next episode better answer all these questions. This is how good this cliffhanger is. I'm I'm going, all right, who's the younger bodyguard to Vicious? This Lynn guy. What is the history with Spike? Uh, who's Julia? What happened to her? Oh my God, Spike is shot. Like he can't die. That there's no way. Uh, what is Gren's connection to Vicious outside of the deal? Because there's something else going on. And does Gren know who Faye is? Because outside of the bar encounter. It seems like he knows more than he's letting on. And does that mean he knows Spike as well? So I'm, I'm listing all of these questions based on where this ends and coming up with all these different theories. And I'm sitting there going, okay, this is, this is one of the best cliffhangers out there, in my opinion, because it's got me so riled up with wanting all of this extra information. And, and it's not just this thing of, oh my gosh, Spike got shot. What happens next? It's more about the events that are, are occurring around this shooting that I'm much more fascinated about. And I'm sitting here wondering, trying to put two and two together like, hey, look, there's there's way more going on here. And we've got so much mystery going on that uh, I, I just got to know more. I mean, it's it it episode 12 is 100 percent made me an addict of Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. Uh, the last show to make. A cliffhanger work for me as well as this one did was probably lost 
back in like seasons one, seasons two, something like that, where, okay. I, would, where I would contemplate where could they possibly go with this. And of yeah. course, finding out later on that they didn't even know where they were going with it. it like, <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, well, that, that kind of makes sense. sense. No wonder, no wonder I could never figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> There's some pretty good cliffhangers during Breaking Bad. I think it's gliding all over is one that comes to mind, but Troy so wouldn't know. We're such that. a cliffhanger culture now. Yeah. Uh, too, you know, and it, it's kind of funny that uh, to see a good cliffhanger like this one is kind of refreshing because we're such, I mean, we're, we are so, I mean, but they're, I, but I mean, they're plot well, we, cliffhangers. We right? Google search, we, yeah, but yeah, but we Google search every movie me and my son go see, we Google search and see if there's an after credit scene. Yeah. We don't see the scene. We just Google search to make sure if we don't get up or not. But but I oh, think yeah. I think this the difference between this one is that most of the time you get this story cliffhanger and it's okay, what's the next event? So most yeah. cliffhangers are what's the next event. Whereas this cliffhanger is I need to know the backstory of how we got here because they've given me some clues and some hints. And I don't want to just know what the next event is, but I want to know all of the things that put this these actions in motion to lead to this event. Yeah. I think that's the difference. That's what makes yeah. this one unique. Yeah, a absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think is that all of our thoughts on on this episode because uh, we're going to talk about it again next week with uh, episode thirteen. <laughs> you don't know how Jupiter excited Jazz, I am. <laughs> part two, <laughs> which gonna... is the end of season one, <laughs> and then we will go into season two with Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh oh, nice. All right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's uh -oh. just a poor boy. Yeah. From a poor family. Galileo, Galileo. <laughs> so uh, I'm so glad we got this over, so I could watch part two. I just yeah, I'm now you're free. You're I'm free to go here. watch. Yeah. Thank um, you. I'm glad we got this recorded too, so now I can watch the Wolfman. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So for anyone playing along, uh, Sammy will be on our show again this week on the normal show to talk about 2010's The Wolfman. Yeah, I can't believe that came out in 2010. Yeah, uh, directed by Joe Johnston. Yeah. Um, Sammy, what do you all have going on over at the GGTMC? Uh, the usual fair. Just a couple guys hanging out, talking about old movies. Uh, <laughs> that's what we do. At four in the morning? Uh, Is it four, four in the morning? Yeah. 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 Guys are crazy. Just, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're just uh, nothing you just, new. You nothing just did really. an old I mean, boy episode, about, right? Yeah, we did talk about old boy finally. Yeah. Which, okay. uh, people have been asking for for a long time, so. Not the Spike Lee version, but the uh, the Chan Wook, uh, Wook Park uh, uh, version or Park Chan Wook. There we go. Something like yep. that. Yeah, I'll get it right. <laughs> but we finally no, talked about discussion. that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that was fun. And uh, then we talked about a newer film that somebody had recommended to us uh, called uh, My Heart uh, Can't Beat Unless You Tell It To, which is a strange little uh, independent horror film that I recommend. I don't know what people will get out of it, but... I think everybody would get something unique out of it. It's quite an interesting take on some things. Freaking okay. every week. I'm always going to <laughs> like, all right, I got to buy this one. So, all right. Uh, Everybody's showing old boy at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Troy, what do we have for October for our podcast? It's spooky movies. <laughs> so, yeah, we're kicking off the Wolfman. I've never, I've never seen this version of it. So I cannot believe that. that I know it blows my mind. I heard that I listened to your show. I finished it off today and Troy said he'd never seen it. And I'm like, how is that possible? It was so one of those. It, it just, so he, uh, we'll talk about this in detail Sunday, but there is a reason. And for me, it, I think it's a pretty good reason, but it, yeah. I, there is a little well, backstory to it. So, Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. You don't like Benicio del Toro. That's what you're going to That's tell exactly <laughs> it. I thought he was terrible in uh what was it? I, that James Bond film and I've I've never recovered from it. I honestly can't wait for you to see it. I'm not going to say anything about it and not even anything that I I'm just not going to say nothing because I'm just not going to say nothing. No, I'm, I, hey, I'm I'm excited. So th this is Brad you, probably knows what I'm talking about. Full disclosure, <laughs> yeah. this is one of my favorite directors. I I will defend a lot of the stuff he does and he's made. You are of, Mr. Rocketeer. Yes. I love the Rocketeer, but I, I love all his other films. I mean, I love Captain America. I freaking what Jurassic Park three. He did that one. I, I enjoyed it. So, uh, 
Yeah, he's better part, I, I, part two. Yeah, yeah. I, I love him as a director, so I uh, I'm I'm super excited to talk about it. But yeah, we've got a pretty good lineup, and and what's fun about October is when, I mean, what was it? Last October was really the first spooky season for this podcast um, uh-huh. that we were doing, and what was funny is we had gotten so many great recommendations that Brad and I were looking at this and we're like, well. We, we could just do all these films for like the rest of the year going into this year and still not touch them all. And we wanted to save them because there were some great picks. So we wanted to save them for this year. So every movie that we're talking about in October is a recommendation. And in most cases, it's not just a single recommendation. So uh, one of the films that I picked has come up, I don't know, four or five times, but it's The Blob. It's the newer remake. So we will talk about that one next month too. So we've, we've got a great lineup and a lot of people, uh, that I, I feel like everybody loves to hear outside of us are going to join and it, it's going to be fun. I mean, this, this is my favorite month outside of the candy corn. Cause I freaking hate candy corn and I freaking yeah. hate scary clowns, but I love October. How do you yeah, like that list of, of clown movies? I sent you. I hate you that watch? list. Hate all of <laughs> that, those. <laughs> that's insane to me. How much clown exploitation has become a thing? I mean, I knew it, it's become a thing, but wow, that's how yeah. messed up this world is. Okay, it's it messed is messed up. up. Twenty seventeen yeah. until now, there's like thirty one clown horror movies. It's wrong, man. It's wrong. And only only one movie on that list. Of course, I haven't seen thirty of them, but only one movie on that list. <laughs> I know one of them, and it's actually a good one. Is it the killer clouds from outer space? Yeah, yeah. that's the only one that I would recommend for anybody. Yeah. You know, at, I bet I bet there is some abysmal films. Oh, oh, I'm sure there is. <laughs> I uh, I like that film, but it still creeps me out, big time. Oh, really? Yeah, even kill, that one. It, dude, clowns are scary. All right, clowns yeah, are just I mean, scary. I don't scary. I don't like them either. I don't I don't know if I'm terrified of them as you are, but I don't like. Them. Terrified's a little. Oh yeah, terrified. Yeah, you're right. You're terrified. I saw you. I I was with you when we saw it, Chapter One. Yeah, that, was, that was terrifying. I think for me on film, they're terrifying. In person, they are absolutely incredibly the most terrifying thing that I I do. I have been to a party before where there's been a clown, and I have left. Dude, when and you, even though I know that's a person in makeup, I'm like, this is wrong. I'm leaving. <laughs> when you go to those little scary farms, mazes, haunted houses or whatever, and if I think there's going to be a clown there, I'm begging. I'm begging my family, like, can we just stop by Target so I can get some, like, adult depends? Because I know what's going to happen. Because when that thing comes out of the corn maze and chases me, that's it. And and I there was one in Louisville we went to. And yeah. it was in the woods and some clown oh. ch- chased me for like half a mile. And yeah. I, yeah. I exited stage left quickly out of that whole thing and waited for everybody in the parking lot. Cause I was out. No, uh-uh. <laughs> nope. That's why we love you. Yeah. Yep. So thanks everyone for joining us. Um, Troy, Sammy, thank you for talking these two great episodes with me. Um, Sammy, we know you've been through a lot this week. Uh, Troy and I love you, buddy, and thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah, it was good. Very therapeutic. Yeah. Good stuff. I didn't have to finance anything. I feel good. (laughs) (laughs) You want to buy a new car, new Jeep? No, no. (laughs) That rush is so, it's so limited. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'd rather buy like seven movies than buy a car. It's much easier to buy seven movies. I could probably justify spending $30,000, $40,000 on Blu-rays and not feel... (laughs) I don't know how that's possible, but I probably could justify that somehow. I do not have buyer's remorse. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. So thank you all for joining us. Troy, Sammy. We'll see you next week. See you, Space Cowboy.